mighty Atlantic 10 Conference. The call's on him. Five seconds to go. Charlotte Clough gathers for the win. Talk podcast presented by Get Trending Productions. And welcome back to the A10 Talk podcast. I'm your host, Chris Pyle, and tonight I'm joined with our regular co hosts. First, Mr. Anthony Morelli from St. Joe's slash LaSalle. Anthony, what's up? We are rolling here at Hawk Hill. That's for sure, Chris. I'm so glad I get to spend this Thursday night with you. Be, be nice. I, I, can just <laughs> mute, I could just mute you the rest of the show, and we'll just be like, well, that's it. Um, but we also have Daniel Frank from uh, George Mason slash George Washington, or in, like I like to say in Indiana, George Washington. Uh, Daniel, how's it going? I'm doing good. I'm I'm feeling a little conflicted after last night. It was nice to see the boys get a win, but also tough to see the boys take a loss. So we're about 500. <laughs> yeah, I just imagine Daniel in like the fetal position, like the whole game. Like, yeah, not quite the fetal position, but I don't know if you could see Mojo on TV. He was on all fours by the end of the game. That was I, I felt that. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Maurice Joseph, shout out. All right, so gentlemen, we had uh, another pretty full slate uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. Some pretty surprising things happened, um, some controversy. So uh, it let's just get right into it. So um, let's just go through the scores just to remind our folks of what happened uh, since Tuesday, Wednesday, because it is Friday, uh, technically in this podcast. Um, Richmond played UMass, and they were winners 79 to 65. VCU winners over St. Louis in pretty much the game of the week, uh, 67 to 65 over the Billikens. On Wednesday, the St. Joe's Hawks, they shocked the Dayton Flyers at home, 97 to 84. Woof. Uh, The St. Bonaventure Bonnies got a must-needed quad one win on the road at Davidson by a score of 56 to 53. The George Mason Patriots, they knocked off the George Washington Colonials 63 to 58 in Fairfax. And then the night got rounded out on Wednesday with LaSalle taking out Duquesne 85 to 65. So with that, we're going to get right into a little bit different of a recap. Um, So for this episode, we're just going, we all kind of got assigned teams for each game and we're going to give kind of our takeaways from that team 
So we're going to start with the first game on Tuesday. Well, I think, yeah, they played first. So, uh, which was Richmond and UMass. And we'll start with Richmond, which was Mr. Daniel. Daniel, what's your take about Richmond after that game? So my biggest thought just from that game was I really feel like Richmond is quietly playing themselves back in the bubble conversation. I'm not sure still if the spiders have done enough yet to necessarily get back on the the right side of the bubble, but I do think they're certainly making it interesting and they're, they're certainly making a case for themselves. I mean, the best thing you can do is win the games that you have. Um, So, I mean, especially when Blake Francis is starting to heat up uh, at, and knocking down shots, it adds a different level and a different dimension to this Richmond team. He had 20 points. He hit five threes. Um, and I mean, really, Richmond was in control of this game for the vast majority of it. I mean, UMass kind of hung around. They cut it to like eight or nine points at one point in the second half. But like, they never felt like they were threatening. I mean, that was a game that I really felt Richmond had in control wire to wire. Um, and I think Richmond just needs those types of wins to make their case of selection to me. Like, Hey, we're not just sweet squeaking by we're, we're making a decent case for ourselves. And I thought that they did a pretty decent job of doing that on Tuesday night. You know, what's interesting. And I don't want to go too much further into bracket talk um, because it's just crazy this year, but bracket matrix, which is like my uh, basically second love of my life. Um, they have Richmond in the next four out, uh, and they're like the first team in there, and the next team is actually St. Louis, kind of funny. But you talked about Richmond kind of kind of climbing back into this thing, uh, and I'm looking at their quadrants, and they're, five, they're two and two in the quad one, including that awesome win against Loyola. And what turned out, what we thought might have been a – Quad, two quad four losses. Hofstra has actually worked their way up to be 149, which is good for a quad three loss. So not necessarily the best, but their only like big blemish is at home against LaSalle. I mean, so, the biggest thing to me is like the first episode that I was on of this podcast, we did a bracketology breakdown and we all mutually agreed that Richmond was toast. So that I think the fact that we're even having this conversation that, hey, they're kind of working their way back in is, is impressive. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Um, you know, du- winning against Duquesne and UMass is not going to move the needle too much, but it at least kind of, you know, improves the record, maybe opens some eyes a little bit in the committee, but who knows? Um, with UMass, I got to sign them. They still have not showed me they can beat anyone good. I mean, I think I think they're basically consistently the seventh best team in the conference. I think our website kind of agrees with that on the power rankings and it doesn't seem like they can beat anyone above them. Um, They obviously can lose to anyone below them, but it's not very rare. Uh, The only team they lost to below them is, well, I think it's below them now. Yeah. uh, George Mason, which has moved their way up a little bit, but they just can't beat anyone above them. So I don't know. They, they just can't be trusted anymore. Um, that's really all I got about UMass for them. Uh, you know, they are what they are and until they beat someone above seventh in the conference, I'm, I really can't take them seriously as much. I mean, they're a good team and I really like them. Uh, and I also am kind of in that one year away boat. I mean, they've kind of been in that boat for a little bit, but I really like their team. I really like their makeup and Trey Mitchell's a stud and, if he 
uh, comes back next year, which, you know, I, who knows about anything with NBA prospects and stuff. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know what an NBA prospect looks like. I see a good college basketball player and I'm like, yeah, he'd be great in the NBA. And then he like doesn't sniff the NBA G league ever. So, um, you know, this team, they're still pretty young and I think they can be a real threat next year, even the year after, but I don't want to talk about too much about UMass's future. Uh, currently, I mean, I've said all I need to say, uh, you know, they got to beat a good team here and they got a chance uh, upcoming. I believe they play St. Louis, correct? Or who do they play? Who's their next game? It is St. Louis. You were correct on Monday day. It is St. Louis. Okay. Yeah. It is, it's on Monday. Cause I was like St. Louis plays Friday, but it's really weird. Um, but moving on to the next game on the, on the Tuesday slate was the controversial, really close game. VCU pulling out a win and let's start with Anthony. Go ahead. Give me St. Louis. Okay. Cause I was going to say, I have both these teams, I think. So that's true. You do. So yeah, keep, you can go ahead and just talk about each team. Okay. Excellent. Thank you, Chris. The first thing yep. I'm going to say is St. Louis did not, I mean, VCU did not win because of the refs. I'm going to state that now loud and clear for all of the fans of a 10 talk. VCU won the game fair and square, but I want to say this about St. Louis. We talked about how great they are, how good they are. And they're only, they're four and four in the conference. And it's, I, it breaks my heart to see them be only four and four. Um, but at the end of the day, my takeaway is if you're good, you win the games. And I know people, fans of St. Louis won't like hearing that. We get it. It's a crazy year. I, we can preface it all we want, but unfortunately they just didn't have the amount of games to get into a rhythm and they paid the price and they've lost these games. It's unfortunate. I, it's like a tra it's like a, it's like a Shakespearean tragedy. You should like, there's no great outcome. It's just always a loss. And I just feel so bad for them. But on the other hand, my point about VCU is I've been right all along. This team is good. Yes. They lost to George Mason there. They lost to George Mason. Yes. Totally agreed. They lost. And it was an ugly loss, but this team just beat St. Louis without Bones Highland. I got to give this team credit where credit is due. They are good, and they're probably the conference's best chance at making any type of run in March, regardless of what tournament we're talking about. VCU proved that they're the team that we didn't think they were. They're, they are great. They are everything that St. Louis wished they could be. That's my take. On the spot here. Okay. So I did not pre I did not uh, prepare you guys for this one, and you kind of already talked about it. But uh, I'm gonna start with Daniel. What's your takeaway from the final play uh, from TV Teddy in the SLU VCU game? I mean, I was in the minority of people to say that I thought that that wasn't the most egregious call or non-call. I really thought on the previous possession that there was a foul on. I think Yuri Collins took a three. Um, I really felt like there was a foul there. I didn't hate the foul call. And I don't on the, the VCU play that gave them the free throws. I hated the timing of it because if you look at the tape, yeah, it's a foul. He hits them on the arm, but the play was halfway up the court. And I think that was what most people took exception to. Mm -hmm. um, but that's my take on it. Anthony, what about you? Um. I'm going to side with Daniel on this one. Yeah, like you see contact, right? Like we're not going to argue that there's no contact. But at the end of the day, the refs have the final say. I guess that's my whole point is, look, it stinks when there's a call that doesn't go your way. But at the end of the day, we kind of have to just follow what the refs see on the court and what they call. 
And if they saw contact, if they didn't see contact, I mean, it's up to them. We can argue until we're blue in the face if it was a call or not. But at the end of the day, I can't change history. So I guess that's my view of it. And I think you hit the nail on the head earlier, too, with St. Louis. Just like, look, if you're good enough, don't put yourself in that position where it comes down to a call like that. Don't waste the previous possession where you had to chuck up a three. That's that's kind of where I was going to go with this. So it is egregious that the call was very late. Like <laughs> Ace Baldwin was sliding past Teddy when he blew the whistle. Like, what the heck? But here's the here's the overall grand spectrum of things here. Uh I feel like this was a karma play because I feel like St. Louis was just handed a quad one opportunity with no, with basically the conference player of the year being out and credit to VCU. Like this team scares the hell out of me for the next two years because all these guys are all like freshmen and sophomores. And, you know, they just did that without bones Highland. So like, just imagine if bones goes to the draft, you know, or it goes to the NBA next year this team is still capable of being a really, really good team. And that's what's freaking amazing. But I feel like SLU was just given an opportunity to get a good quad one win because there's, I don't really think the resume for VCU is going to be, oh, they were without Bones Highland in this game. Like, I don't think anyone really cares about that. It's just about the principle that, you had all your guys, you've been out of a COVID break for so long and you had the opportunity to get a really, really good win on your resume and you absolutely, without, without having to deal with Bones Highland and you absolutely blew it. That's like my biggest take. So if anything, that call was karma for not just taking advantage of the situation and winning that game. Like that's just kind of where I saw it after being, incredibly upset that VCU got that call. But at the end of the day, they, I feel like it was just karma. Um, We're going to move on to the Wednesday games where, holy, holy mother of God, uh, St. Joe's beat Dayton. And we'll just, you know what, Anthony, you can have your moment. Go ahead, go ahead and talk about the Hawks. Senior night, senior night comes back to bite Dayton in the butt. That would have been my, uh, would have been my thing because Dayton had that senior night game. It was awesome against St. Louis. And then St. Joe's uses the power of the parents to, to get through and win a game. Taylor Funk. I, I feel bad. I accidentally did not give him enough credit on last week's podcast because that win against LaSalle, he had 20 points and I never even mentioned it once. And I kind of now look like an idiot because he goes out there and scores a ton of points against Dayton. And I think I haven't given him the credit all season long of how great of a player he is. Ryan Daly looks just as good as what we thought he would be. And I saw a couple of VCU fans tweeting about how, I think it was, uh, is it Godwin or Goodwin or I forget who it was. He, he was like Lee uh, Baldwin. Sorry. I get them confused. Baldwin had like, was leading the a 10 in assists. It's like, well, Jordan Hall's two assists behind in nine games short. And it's like, man, this kid goes out there and plays crazy. Again, he shoots from everywhere all over the court. He's got all these great skills. I think the Hawks are, they might be the more, the, a more dangerous team than LaSalle come A-10 tournament time. Jeez. I, <laughs> here's the thing. Okay. We all knew this was going to happen in Dayton Twitter. I'm sorry. Like ghost called this like a mile away. Like, and I think we all saw it too. Like this Dayton team gets up for the good, the good opponents and they absolutely don't give a shit about the bad opponents. Now I'm going to tip my cap here. 
uh, to the Hawks and my boy Ryan Daly. Okay, like they shot amazingly from three and that's their game like they're gonna shoot about a bajillion threes every single game and if they hit them you're like screwed and well they haven't hit them like at all this year because they're number they were number 299 in the country on ken palm and three point percentage going into that game but holy moly dayton tried to follow the scouting report and it just blew up like <laughs> like ken palm blew up probably after that game um but Overall, this was just very disappointing, um, especially the coaching performance in this game. So this doesn't mean, though, like I hate Anthony Grant or everything or anything like I give him a ton of credit for the slew game the other week. Like he had a very good defensive game plan and he deserves all the credit in the world for that. Uh, but this one was really weird. He pretty much shafted Jordy Chimanga to the bench. And I know I've said like he doesn't like fit well into like the fast style of play, which makes sense because considering how fast St. Joe's plays, but I feel like you still have to give your senior starter. That's been a starter most of the year uh, a chance because uh, he's been actually very effective in the paint for much of the year. Like he's actually one of the top like defensive efficiency guys in the league. And, you know, why not throw him out there to see what happens? Um, Dayton got kind of cooked, especially by Taylor Funk in the paint. And like, he just basically held Mustafa Amzil's hand all the way to the basket for a layup. Like it, it was just ridiculous. So I, I really feel bad for Jordy, um, you know, just coming off a really good game against slew his senior night. And he just get, basically gets glued to the bench. Um, but it's even more disappointing because I feel like the a 10 kind of handed them handed Dayton one last lifeline to try and make the top four. Cause if you didn't realize it, if Davidson and UMass both lost out, uh, lose out all of the rest of their games in their schedule, which Davidson has so far and UMass has so far, and they both have really good opponents for their last game and Dayton wins out, which they have to beat Bana, which means they kind of have to, you know, earn it a little bit, but they got, they got handed St. Joe's. So if that would have happened, they would have been the four seed. If you can believe it. And this is just like the third thing this year that Dayton has just been given an opportunity to seize and they completely blow it against teams that this program should never blow it to. So uh, that's all I got to say about Dayton. We're going to move on before I just get more disappointed. Um, St. Bonaventure and Davidson. Um, Bonnie's pull out a three point win. Davidson was assigned to Mr. Daniel Frank. Go ahead, Dan. So look, I mean, with Davidson, they went toe-to-toe with St. Bonaventure twice in a row in the span of four days. They didn't get either outcome that they really wanted. But I mean, look, they competed and they were right there with them. I mean, they went 8 of 28 from 3 on Wednesday night. I mean, you do that and still are able to compete in the game. I mean, granted, 8 threes is a decent night for most teams, but not for Davidson. I mean, if you are able to start hitting just a couple more of those shots, A, first of all, you probably steal one of those two games against St. Bonaventure, but also you put yourself in a position to maybe win a game or two down in Richmond. Um, I mean, Davidson is one of those teams I feel like that kind of has been flying a bit under the radar this whole season because we've been talking about, you know, the big four of teams that are have a tournament shot of St. Louis, VCU, Richmond, um, 
And then Dayton's kind of floated in there, but they pretty sunk, they sunk pretty quickly. And then Davidson's kind of been that like fifth, sixth team. Um, and so like, I feel like if they can just get some more baskets to fall for them, which sounds like a stupid, obvious thing to say, but I mean, a guy like Kellen Grady had two points and Lee had nine points and they were still right there with St. Bonaventure. Who's looking like they're going to win the A-10 at this point. I mean, I feel like Davidson isn't all that far away from being competitive. And I mean, there are, they are competitive, but I mean, getting over that hump a little bit and getting a couple wins here. Um, So that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah. I have St. Bonaventure and basically from this game, like, this is a gritty win, man. Like it is hard to play at Davidson. Like, even if there's no crowd there, like Davidson's usually pretty good at home. Um, I know Dayton got a win on the road this year there. Uh, but you know, that's a, that's still a good team, but what a win. Um, that's a quad one win for them. And now with that, I really just believe Bana has to be tourney bound as long as they beat GW on Friday. You know, I, re- I personally don't think they need to beat Dayton at home. It- it'll be like a quad three loss, but they don't, they don't have one of those this year. I'm pretty sure. Um, looking at it. They have zero quad three losses, zero quad four losses. So like they can technically slip up one if they wanted. Um, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it because the committee's kind of weirdos and has shafted them in the past, but I actually don't really think they need to beat Dayton. Um, and from this and plus the VCU game, like I really think the a 10s like a shoe in for two bids, no matter what, at this point, I just don't see how VCU gets left out. If anything, Bonaventure gets a a first four spot if they're going to be down a little bit, but they don't have any bad losses and they, they have a, another quad one win. They have a quad two win, uh, a couple quad two wins. So, uh, they're, yeah, they're three and one in quad two. So, um, just a really great season for them. Uh, you know, Mark Schmidt and Mike Rhodes are going to be probably the two front runners for coach of the year. And it might just come down to who wins the a 10. If Bono wins it outright, Mark Schmidt could definitely win it. But I really, I personally have it as Mike Rhodes just because of where they were expected to finish this year. But, uh, that's all I got for Bonaventure. Just a very good win by them. Uh, and, yeah, we'll see what happens this Friday against GW. Um, we're going to move on to George Mason and George Washington, which both are assigned to Daniel, of course. So, Daniel, go ahead. So, this was really a tale of two halves for me. Um, I mean, on the one hand, you could say the comeback Patriots did, like, or did they did it again. Um, but on the other hand, you could really say, man, GW really messed up in that second half. I mean... Look, I mean, Mason, this is the second game in a row that they've come back for double-digit halftime deficits. They were down 10 to VCU, and they were down 13 to GW last night. Um, The biggest thing for Mason was the offensive rebounding. I mean, they out-rebounded GW offensively 23-4, to and they took 26 more shots than GW did, which you could look at that from one perspective and be like, damn, that's really inefficient. But they're getting offensive rebounds, and so they were able to get still some decent scoring chances. There was one p- specific possession that was right in front of me from where I was sitting. Joshua Duro, I think, had five <laughs> offensive rebounds in one single possession. They didn't score, because of course not, but they were getting rebounds. Um, 
And speaking of Joshua Duro, I mean, he's suddenly shown in the last two games that he's got a different level that he can tap into. I mean, he, I talked about him on Monday night about how well he did in that VCU game. He was really quiet in the first half of this game. I think he had two points at halftime. Um, but all of a sudden in the second half, he decided, you know what, I'm going to just start playing harder. He had a personal eight to one run that gave Mason the lead. Um, and that was really big for them. Um, and then on the flip side of this, look, I mean, GW had a great first half. I was very high on them. I've been high on this team. Everyone kind of scoffs at me, but I have a lot of faith in this team. And I have a lot of faith in Jamie and Christian. And I mean, they did everything right in the first half. They came and they punched Mason right in the mouth. I mean, they shot 61%, held Mason to 23%. They had a 16 to two run and took a 14 point lead. But then the second half, they gave up <laughs> four separate runs. They give up a 12 to two run, an eight to two run, an eight to one run, and a nine to two run. Those of you doing math at home, that's a 33 to seven spurt there. They got outscored in total 40 to 22 in the second half. That's, that's not a good recipe for success. And I mean, even the last two possessions that they had, they had two turnovers. And one of them was, I mean, Javon Green had a nice interception on a pass. But I mean, that's, that's just not a winning recipe. Now, granted, I think a lot of what it was for GW is I think the gas tank kind of hit on B and it was pretty clear um, from just get walking up the floor. They, the, the bodies look tired. Um, I'm really worried about Friday being a bloodbath at St. Bonaventure. Cause that's one day rest uh, after this Mason game. And then they're going to suddenly with travel going up to Olean. Um, I really worry that, that they're going to just get absolutely slaughtered and not necessarily to fall to their own, but that'll be their third game in, in six days. Yeah, uh, that's a tough stretch, um, and we'll we'll see how they do against uh, the Bonnies up in uh, the Riley Center. Last but not least, we have the LaSalle Duquesne game, and Anthony, why don't you start us off with LaSalle? Yeah, so I want to first of all, great win by LaSalle beating a Duquesne team. That's not easy to do. I mean, LaSalle, that's an upset, right? We we would all chalk that up as an upset. I want to highlight Christian Ray. I think he's a figure that no one talks enough about maybe in all of the Atlantic 10 Twitter atmosphere or just me, myself, maybe I'm not paying attention enough to him, but he's one of the only guys on LaSalle's team that really has a consistent effort every night. He put up 14 points and grabbed 14 rebounds. Christian Ray is not the most athletic guy on the court. He is not the tallest guy on the court, but boy, does he play the hardest. And I think it would be foolish for me not to highlight that because I've been beating the drum all year long. LaSalle needs a guy. LaSalle needs a guy. LaSalle needs a guy. They still don't have that guy, but it's so refreshing to see out of all the people like Sharif Kenny, not even on the court for the game last night. I mean, that's well, he was, but he didn't start. He only had 14 points. I view Kenny as a guy who can score 20 points, but he just doesn't do it consistently. Uh, But Christian Ray does his thing consistently. He does his job and he does it every night. And when the team's not playing well, he shows up. And when the team's playing well, he just adds to it on top of it and helps them win by 20 points. So I think that's my big takeaway. Everyone played well. Brickus, Beattie, Kenny, Kenny scored 14 points. Okay, but I really just want to give Christian Ray his props. Played hard all year long. And uh, yeah, that's my takeaway. And as for Duquesne, well, this is kind of a weird game for them. I, I really think that they should have played a lot better. Um, but... Once again, this is their second game coming off a COVID pause. So, and if you're losing 20 points to LaSalle on a COVID pause, 
or just on your second game coming back from a COVID pause. Uh, that kind of tells me they're totally not back from that pause, which is kind of a bummer and the wrong time to be trending downward. Um, the Basically, the only highlight in this game was Marcus Weathers for them. Uh, he is really good, um, and I really think he deserves consideration for first team A-10 just because of all the I – mean, I mean, he's putting up like 20 a night pretty much. Uh, almost double double every night. So uh, I don't think he will, but if he's, you know, he should definitely be on the second team all conference. That's, that's all I'm going to say about him, but yeah, Duquesne uh, hopefully, you know, next game that they play, they will be kind of back to normal a little bit or back to their regular selves. Cause once again, as we've seen with Richmond and St. Louis, uh, some teams need two games to get back and this was Duquesne second. So uh, we'll see how they do from now on going into the a uh, 10 tourney. So with that, with all that, we will turn it to Daniel for our seating update. Take it away. All right. Well, this is, I guess the last one we're going to get to do of one of these. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as we, we are in the home stretch. Now we've got, Friday 10, I guess tonight, by the time y'all hear this, we'll have Saturday, well, three Saturday games, and then we'll have, what, three Monday games, plus I guess there's an extra game, actually. There's two games tonight, because um, there's a GW Bonner game, and then there's the big um, Slew Richmond game. So, here's what things look like right now. We have a tie atop the Atlantic 10 for first place. St. Bonaventure, I believe, has a tiebreaker there um, over VCU. The caveat here is St. Bonaventure has two games left. VCU has just one game left, which kind of sucks for the Rams. Um, but, I mean, it is what it is. Um, so, St. Bonaventure's last two games are GW and Dayton. You got to think they're going to beat GW. Um, and good chance they beat Dayton at home, but who knows. Um, VCU's last game is at Davidson, um, which should be a winnable game. I mean, Grid, it's... I think that might be one of the sleeper games of the weekend. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but that should be a decently winnable game for them there. But the reality of the situation is VCU can win out their last game, that is. But, I mean, if, if Bana wins both their games, it's all over, and they're, it's, they went out right. Um, looking down the line next, you have Richmond and UMass are in a tie for a, uh, third and fourth place. Um, the interesting thing here is that – Davidson is just half a game off of that. They're six and four. So UMass and Davidson have one game left each. Richmond has two games left, actually. Um, so Richmond's two games are at St. Louis, which is a huge game for both teams. Um, and then St. Joe's, which we have now learned it's not an easy, <laughs> not a gimme. Um, UMass also, ironically, has their last game against SLU. Um, and then, as I just mentioned, Davidson's playing VCU. So you could still have some, some overlap in there. Some things could be moving up and down. We'll see what it ends up being. Um, but Richmond could theoretically drop down a little bit here. Um, I believe they have a tiebreaker over Davidson. So they should be in double by territory regardless. Um, but that's that. And then you got a big jumble down the rest of this list where you've got a whole bunch of teams with different amounts of games played. And it's, it's a big mess. But it, it should probably look like what it does right now. It's not going to you're not going to see a whole tremendous amount of movement, I don't think. Um, and then the other bit of news that I caught on this week is I believe Fordham might be back to practicing. I'm not 100% sure about that, 
but I saw Florida women's basketball was posting some stuff that looked like they might be at practice. Um, I know that they were posting that uh, both water polo and women's volleyball have games on this coming Monday, which makes gives me hope that hopefully Fordham can participate in both the men's women Atlantic 10 tournaments. Um, so your math update, um, just kind of summarizing all of that big jumble there. Um, your current median amount of games is 13. 60% of that is 7.8, which does mean technically that St. Louis is as well as GW are below that threshold. However, as I mentioned, St. Louis has two games left. So they're fine. Um, as long as they play one of those two games and they should get both of them in, but as long as they play one, they should be fine. Um, GW is at seven games played. They're only going to get to one. I've talked about that at length. Um, so we're still on track with all the math I mentioned last time, um, where the median is going to finish at 13 and a half, um, games, 60% of that will be 8.1. Um, so all of that looks pretty much the same. Um, so that'll pretty much do it. Um, again, not a whole lot amount of movement in that department about where teams are going to fall in terms of the new seating stuff. Um, so St. Louis is going to be fine. They've, I mean, they've kind of hurt their own standings, but that's by their own volition. It's not, they're not going to get hurt because of the seating. So that's, that's pretty much it. And my, I, I just pulled up the standings here. Just, I wanted to look at the win percentage here. Am, am I seeing this correctly? Uh, George Mason is in sixth. Yeah, George Mason is in sixth place in the conference. Um, they are ahead of both Dayton and St. Louis, which is pretty damn bizarre, to tell you the truth. I mean, yeah. Mason hovered around like 11th place for the longest time, and then all of a sudden they went three in a row, and that's enough to get them all the way to sixth place. Yeah, that that's what blows my mind here. Um, but hats off to you guys. That's That's impressive. Um, I know their schedule is a little less than ideal, but honestly, they, they beat VCU. They won the game. They won pretty much all their games against the bottom tier of the conference. Uh, can't say the same about my team, you know, cause you know, if they win at least two of those three, uh, they'd be probably sitting top four, but I digress. Uh, and that's your standings update. So we're going to move on to a little segment called hot knot. So we're just going to pick uh, one thing or that we see that's hot and likewise with the knot. So I'm going to have Anthony go first. Okay. Who is, who's hot? You can go. Who's you hot? can. Yeah, we'll do hot first. Okay. Ryan Daly's hot. The guy uh-huh. comes back from a broken. I'm going to be a homer, but it's true. 20 points, 30 points. The guy's hot right now. I mean, we can you can call me a homer all day long. He's the most exciting guy to watch in the A-10 with the way he scores. We love him on this podcast. Ryan Daly, he's hot. Yeah. Um, I you know what? If you got the numbers to back yourself up, you can say whatever the hell you want in this show. Daniel, who's hot right now? If Anthony can be a homer, I'll be a homer too. I gotta give it to my man Josh Oduro. I mean, he has really explored these last two games. He had 27 at VCU. He had a double-double for 11 and 10 against GW. I mean, the guy's just filling the bucket right now. He's doing the things that Mason really has been desperate for my entire three years as a student there. They've not had a big man they can rely on. They've had a revolving door there. They had Jared Reuter. They had Greg Kalix try to fill in there. Nothing worked. Josh Oduro looks like the answer right now. Now, granted, it's a bit of a small sample size. But arguably, he's as hot as any big man in the conference is right now. 
Yeah, I've been high on this guy all year. I think he should be getting the ball a lot more, and I feel like it's finally happening. Uh, the dude's got a nice little soft touch for uh, for what it's worth. Um, I really like him. My hot is uh, Jacob Gilliard, uh, tri- triple nickel last game uh, and the 17 points in the previous game. Um, he is looking a lot more like that first team, all a 10 uh, preseason selection. Not that he isn't, wasn't before that, but um, I, he is kind of being that senior leader right now. Cause I know Blake Francis has been kind of little off. He was great against UMass, but I know he was a little off against Duquesne knew he was a little off against VCU, but uh, Gilliard's really picked it up. So I love it. Um, and then all of a sudden I really like uh, Richmond against St. Louis. I don't know about you guys, but uh, we'll talk more about that maybe later. Uh, now it's time for the not Anthony. Who's not hot. Can I pick a topic? That's not hot. Is you can a- do whatever you want, man. Okay. So this is going to be really random, but, I can't stand people who are trying to shuffle around the schedule with like a week to go to make sure that like a potential at large bid gets another quad one game in the conference. It's like, if you're not ready to make the the NCAA tournament and you don't have the resume put together and you're trying to shuffle games around and mess around with like St. Joe's rich. Oh, can we get Richmond here? Richmond there. If you're in that situation this late in the season, maybe you're just not cut out to be a tournament team. I'm sorry, but like, I'm not willing to shuffle games around with a week to go to give us like a potential bid last minute. I don't know. I just, I find it kind of weird and it's kind of annoying to me. I I might need to label that like with like a segment for like, like a Philadelphia hot (laughs) cheesesteak. Get it? (laughs) Ha ha. Oh man. But yeah. So I'm, I'm taking, that's like more of a slight to uh, what Chris Mooney said. Like he wants to try and schedule a game uh, after the A-10 tournament. And I don't know, I'm kind of with you on that. Um, I am kind of also on the side of like, you know, like we want to try and get like the best resumes for our teams. But I also get what you're saying. Like if you're worried about your resume at this point in the year, and I know like St. Bonaventure's in a different kind of level because they uh, had such a big COVID pause. I think they've had like two. But so I get it that like maybe they want that, but they're not complaining about that. But they went, they went out and took, all those good wins by the horn and made it, made it their own. Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of bizarre. Daniel, I, what's your, not? Oh, who could I just, jump, I, I just could jump in real quick here. Hell yeah. I'm okay with the a 10 messing around a little bit here because look, the whole schedule has been wonky with moving stuff around from the get go here. I have a major issue if they ever do this again in a non COVID year. I mean, great. No one knows exactly what college basketball is going to look like 2022 season. I really don't even want to think about it. But if we're talking five, 10 years down the line, the A-10's like, oh, you know what? We should have X team, X team play. So that way I'd have a major issue if that becomes a trend, if it becomes a long-term thing. Yeah, you know, you know, Conference USA does that, right? Like they like shuffle their schedule at the end and they have like their top four teams all play each other, which I get the idea of it. But at the same time, that's a one bid league. Like well, no matter I was going to say, when happens. was the last time they had two bids? I mean- I can't even remember. I and mean, was are we talking like when Charlotte was still in conference years when Louisville and Memphis, like we're going that far back, like Oh five. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's so weird. Um, but I get the idea of it and I, I like the innovation a little bit, 
But uh, my my not is St. Louis. Uh, they've lost two in a row, both to a Dayton team that's not good and to a VCU team without Bones Highland. Like, how do you do that? And that's why I really kind of like Richmond now. I'm waiting to see what the betting line is going to be. But if if Richmond's a dog in this, I might take them. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if any of you fellow degenerates feel the same, but uh, maybe we'll discuss that on the upcoming uh, or through the group chat pretty much because we won't have an episode till next uh, next Tuesday when we're previewing the 810 tournament. So we're going to move on to our next our last segment of night, which is trivia. So, gentlemen, you guys can tag team this trivia question um, back and forth or just shout out the answers when you have them. So, cause I mean, they're pretty easy. So my question here is what are the only teams to have NCAA tournament appearances since the conference was realigned to its current format in 2014 and 2015? There are seven teams. Many are easy. Some you might've forgotten about, but go ahead. Who wants to go first? Daniel, you go first. Okay. Rhode Island, Davidson, VCU. Those are the the easy ones. Um, St. Bonaventure. Um, who's even in the conference? <laughs> um, I don't Dayton. Know that you haven't said Dayton, St. Louis, and then Davidson. Is that it? You said Davidson already. So you I have six. It. You have VC, VCU, Dayton, Rhodey, uh, Davidson. Bonna, St. Louis, and there's one more. Anthony, do you know? Oh, I know. It's St. Joseph's. Yep, St. Joe's. Yeah. Oh, was that God. DeAndre Bembry? I was just gonna say DeAndre Bembry. And yeah. Langston Galloway. And Langston Galloway. I hate that guy. <laughs> you know what? You know what's really funny? Uh, the push on Kyle Davis in that A10 tournament game. I tweeted about that one time. That like I still can't get over it because I can't. Like I almost threw my desk chair in in my house. I was, a, I was a junior at Dayton. I like threw my chair and of course who else, but found it, but Langston Galloway <laughs> liked it on Twitter. I mean, if we're talking about games, we're never going to get over. I have not talked about this yet on the podcast, but there was a GW VCU game from, I want to say like 2015. It was 17. I think it was the Mojo's first year where you don't hit a big three with like half a second left, thought it was a buzzer beater. And then they got, they VC runs that stupid player where you try to draw a foul on the inbounds by like put like drawing a charge or whatever bullshit. And like GW puts Colin Goss in the game. Who was like this big walk on dude. And like, they call that stupid foul that I'd never seen called before. And VCU goes, hits the free throws and wins the game. When I tell you, I was seething with rage. I did not sleep that night. I was so angry and I'm still not over that. I think we all got games like that. And I got, probably you know 40 of them that are Dayton um but yeah follow-up question for trivia who has the most bids or not bids but appearances out of those seven is it you or I I was gonna guess VCU it is VCU they've been in okay f- they, they got it four times and I think we're Amazing. what is it 
this is year seven, right? It's it, if it's 2014, 2015. Uh, yeah. How many of those years has VCU been picked to finish below six in the conference that they've made the tournament because honest to god no one should ever pick this team below fourth in the conference ever again i don't care yeah i know right um but vcu four uh dayton had three appearances roadie two davidson two bonaventure st louis st joe's one uh umass and gw were last in the previous season which was 2014 uh lasalle even before that 2013 richmond was 2011 Mason was also 2011, if I'm correct, Daniel. You are. Right? That, was, that was a Luke Hancock year. Yep. And then who has had a longer NCAA tournament drought, Fordham or Duquesne? It's Duquesne, isn't it? Yep. Though the last time they were in was 1977. And Fordham was 1992, actually, uh, which was – the last year they were the which was the season before they joined the Atlantic 10. Of course it was. And <laughs> and then history uh went sour. But, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I was just like looking up like, you know, just different things about the conference that have happened since like we came to the current format. And I found it just interesting, you know, where everyone's like at with NCAA tournament appearances. But uh, one thing to watch for this weekend, I am going to say I ghost called it and he's kind of a wizard now. So we'll give him his due. Dayton might just beat Bona. I <laughs> or Bonaventure. I, I kind of have to guarantee it just because like this Dayton team is just so stupid. Like they don't make sense. Like, they're the epitome of what the A-10 is this year. And that's the one thing I'm going to want. And it's not even the weekend. It's next Monday. So, But I'm going to count it. I don't care. This is my show. Daniel, one thing to watch for. I'm really curious to tell you the truth about this Davidson VCU game. I think that VCU might just be sleeping a little bit because I think they feel pretty comfortable, as they should, with their tournament hopes and their chances right now. I think Davidson, if they can get a couple more shots to fall, and it's a home game, I think that might just be a sneaky good game, and I think the Cats might just steal it. Anthony, how about you? One thing to look for this weekend. Yeah, so I'm going to pick you. I'm going to pick a Monday game, and it's not St. Joe's. It's the UMass-St. Louis game, because I think it was interesting. We, we said, can UMass actually beat a team that's above the top six in the conference, and then can St. Louis bounce back after a pretty bad loss? So I'm, I'm going to pick that game as maybe something interesting to watch. You know, hopefully Trey Mitchell plays and everyone plays and we get a good game. So, yeah, that's actually a really good one. I will say uh, it's kind of the battle, like something's got to give, right? Like St. Louis needs a win or they honestly, they absolutely cannot lose this game. Like, let's be frank. Like they cannot lose this game at all. And then UMass kind of needs this to kind of get in the top four. So that'll be fun. Good one. Can I All ask right. you guys a question? I'm just real quick. I just have, yeah. uh, I'm curious. Do you think that if Richmond beats St. Louis tonight, do you think that's enough to get them in? And will that eventually sink St. Louis? So where's this game at? It's... This is a Friday 10 game. I know, but it, oh, it's in St. Louis. Oh, yes. That's a quad one win. And that'll be their third. And I know that's not saying much, but in this league, that's a lot. 
And especially looking at Richmond's uh, quadrant victories, you know, with Loyola and Kentucky, like St. Louis would be, you know, a pretty good one, I think. Uh, what about you, Anthony? This is like one of those games where it's like, I feel like someone's going to get hurt and someone's going to like benefit from this. I mean, if Richmond wins, it's like, wow, Richmond's really pushing their way in now. We don't have to shuffle them around at all or talk about it. But if St. Louis wins, you know, now it's you're kind of riding the ship a little bit more. I don't know. I feel like St. Louis has so many little like conference games. I know it's all about quad wins. It doesn't matter about conference record at the end of the day. Uh, I don't know. I- I'm going to, you know, can I give a preview? I'm going to take Richmond in this game. I know, man. I know they're like, they're Gilliard's playing well. Francis coming off a hot game. You know, St. Louis can't stop anyone in the paint right now. It's, it's incredible. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll finish up the show here. Uh, well, before my interview, which is with, uh, Duquesne player, Mike Bekelja and, if you don't know, he is known as McLovin on the team, and we talk about that. So stick around for that. But we will wrap up this part of the show with our final thoughts for the evening. I'll start with Daniel. Go ahead. I'm just really looking forward to another weekend, God willing, that we can get in without any interruptions. I mean, knock on what it's been. I think this is the longest stretch we've gone the entire season without a team going out on pause. Um so I, I'm really hoping that we can just finish out this regular season and get to the A-10 tournament next week. Absolutely. Anthony, you have the floor, sir. I think everyone's got to watch the St. Joe's Hawks. This is a hot team. We're coming into the conference tournament. I think we were talking, as I said earlier, we were talking about LaSalle being a dangerous team. Mm-mm. It's the St. Joe's team. We know exactly what they look like when everyone, all the real pieces are on the court and Billy Lang's coaching the fellas. They're dangerous. Watch out. And who's their next game? Uh, Richmond. Richmond. And they play Monday, right? Yeah, yeah Richmond. Richmond's coming off a short game, off a short weekend. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, St. Joe's was technically supposed to play Fordham this weekend, and that ain't happening. So uh, good luck over there, Spidey. My final thoughts are ease. I'm not talking more about Dayton. Like, screw that. Um, basically, just uh, thanks for following the show. We've been we've been getting up to 400, 500 downloads an episode. I uh, really appreciate you guys listening. Um, if you want, if you, if there's stuff you want us to like talk about that you're like eager to know about, like hit me up, DM me, DM the A Talk A Ten Talk account. Um, I'm I'm really friendly. I know that there was some questionable things that happened over the SLU VCU game, but I think that's all pushed under the rug. Um, and we're just going to all move forward. And because like, who cares? It's just Twitter. It's just basketball. It's just sports. It's all for fun. At the end of the day, we're all friends and a family, even if we don't think some people aren't are. So, um, but yeah, thanks for following the show uh like and subscribe on apple spotify whatever we've actually been added to iHeartRadio and amazon and pocket casts and all these other shit so um go ahead subscribe to the series so that it's all downloaded for you when you every tuesday and friday hits um follow me on twitter at not underscore private pile anthony's at under uh jelly underscore morelli and then daniel is a bunch of letters and characters that i don't bother to memorize so just 
just search Daniel Frank. Okay. Like it's not that hard. Search bar is not hard, but on the other side of the music that you're going to hear is an interview with Duquesne player, Mike Bikelja. But until then we will see you next Tuesday. Adios. Okay, we are now joined by Duquesne basketball player Mike Bikelja. And I did I say that last name right? Yeah, you did actually. <laughs> All right. I didn't know if the J was silent. So like I was very, very interested. Chad told me it was uh it, the J you sounded the J. So good. Yeah. At least he didn't lie to me. I was gonna have to get mad at him if he did. But <laughs> but anyway, uh how you guys doing? How are you doing? I'm doing good, you know, just uh, trying to stay positive and for our comeback. Yeah, absolutely. So are you guys slated to come back uh, next week? Yeah, I think um, our game Wednesday, the 17th, is still on for right now. Okay, cool. Uh, so let's get right into it. Um, the season got off kind of to a, uh, a little bit of a slow start, uh, especially in conference play, but now you guys have seen to – uh, turn it around. You've won four of your last five. You're now six and five in the conference, which is great. Uh, what's the reason for this turnaround? Um, I think it just comes down to everyone trusting and believing in each other. We all sort of bought in. You really weren't like a big part of the rotation for most of the season, but now you're getting about 26, 27 minutes a game, uh, getting some points, some rebounds, doing a lot of little things to help your team win. Uh, someone maybe call that a glue guy. Mm. So do you, do you consider yourself a glue guy? Cause like, yeah. that's a, that's a big deal in the college basketball world, especially to, I think Seth Davis, he's the guy who's like glue guy awards and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I definitely just, you know, just try to do whatever, it takes uh, to help the team win, whether that is just bringing energy, just guarding the best player, rebounding, you know, whatever it, whatever it takes, I'm going to try to do it. So what's what's kind of sparked this, like, turnaround in your game from getting, like, a couple minutes a game to now really being, like, a big contributor off the bench? Um, well, I think I, I would have been uh, getting more minutes – early in the season, but I had a stress fracture. So I was actually out for a month. And then uh, Coach Dan brought just like worked me in to the games for a couple of minutes uh, every now and again, just to, you know, just get my feet wet. But um, I think it's just, uh, he sees my hard work, you know, and that I'm willing to do whatever it takes, like I said before. And I think that just, uh, just brings something to the team that we needed, so. Yeah, cool. Um, so what made you choose uh, Duquesne? Well, Duquesne was actually uh, my only Division One offer, but uh, besides that fact, I, you know, the coaching staff, I created a lot of relationships with the coaching staff. Coach D, me and Coach D were just uh, became really tight. You know, um, I really liked the spot Duquesne was at, just uh, just rising up, you know, they were really good last year, and we're just trying to keep that going this year and uh, more in the future. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you were getting recruited, did they, did you know all about like the Cooper field house and everything they were doing, uh, for this season? I knew that they were uh, renovating it. I didn't know how good it was going to look, but now that it's finished and we got to play in it, it's awesome. Yeah. What, what was your first reaction when you got in there? Well, uh, when we first went in there to practice, we were just all blown away. You know, everyone was posting it on their social medias and stuff. It's just, it was really cool. I think it, it fits us perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Like you guys are kind of more of a smaller school. So like, and you know, there's just a lot of other schools and a lot of other things going on in Pittsburgh. So like, you know, where I, where I grew, uh, not grew up, but where I went to school, Dayton, like we're the only ticket in town where you guys, you got to fight for, you know, a lot more, but I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, for how, for like, it's like the right size. I think everyone agrees. It's like the right size for Duquesne and a good spot to watch college basketball. Um, yeah. So what's your, what's your favorite part? Uh, and what was your most surprising part of the reveal of the new Cooperfield house? Um, I think there's like three big parts of it that I really like. Um, the practice gym in the back has two courts and it's real spacious. And I think uh, that's going to work out to our advantage. The weight room. I love the weight room. It's awesome. It's very modern, high tech and stuff. And then, um, I like the big screens a lot too. Yeah. I was going to say, how big are those things? Like I, I can't really tell from on TV. Yeah. I'm a, I, I said, I'm going to come out next year and see a game. See you guys. Like I got to see this place. It looks incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Dayton, uh, the last game you guys played, uh, you blew the doors off my alma mater in the new arena. So, kind of awkward um all's forgiven <laughs> all's forgiven so we're one and one on the year uh mm-hmm. but like come on like how did you guys do that like how did you guys put more air in the ball knowing Dayton was gonna shoot a ton of threes <laughs> did you guys switch your rims that you shot onto the Maui rims like what'd you do <laughs> we just came out uh with a lot of energy we came from the start because some games uh you know we've come out a little slow but we just wanted to come out and uh, kind of punch you guys in the mouth. And I think that's what we did. Yeah. I'll say you, uh, Dayton Twitter was not happy with that start, <laughs> but I honestly, like, I was like, I think we all kind of knew in the back of our heads. I'm like, dude, they're opening this like new arena. Like just give them, just yeah. give them this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The energy, but, the energy in there was just something else. I mean, there wasn't a lot of fans, but you, you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah, I know. It was like this hidden energy because you guys were, it seemed like you guys were pumped up to just play on your home floor and not LaRoche. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was big. Yeah. Um. So who would you, who would win an arm wrestling match, you or Chad Baker? <laughs> Come on now. Come on. <laughs> I asked, I asked, Ch- <laughs> you would win? Yeah. Come oh, on, man. Dude, I was hoping you would say Chad because Chad said you as well. So I'm like, oh, man, I w- <laughs> they don't have a lot of confidence in themselves. But, okay, <laughs> you guys need to arm wrestle. I don't know why I thought of that, but it was when I found out I was going to – I was going to – when I set it up with Chad and then you, I was like, dude, I might just get them to arm wrestle. So if you guys do that, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> a couple weeks ago on Twitter, maybe it was last week, uh, Mike Hughes tweeted out that your name is nickname is McLovin. <laughs> <laughs> so right away, I need to know yes. what's the deal. Well, first of all, 
I don't know. Did you guys? Did you happen to see the meme with you? Yeah, that's uh, funny. Uh, with the yeah, license plate funny. in it. Yeah, yeah I made. I made that. So you're welcome. Yeah, that was real funny. <laughs> yeah, a lot uh, so, of people like that one. What's the What's the story behind the McLovin nickname? So just one day I practiced like months ago. Um, like we were just you know going back and forth, like just calling each other names and stuff. He ends up calling me McLovin. I guess that one really stuck for him. So then uh, just after the game, he posts that on Twitter and then everyone seemed to run with it. And, you know, everyone's having fun with it. So I, I think it's pretty funny too. So I let it keep going. That's awesome. So does like anyone call you anything other than McLovin now? <sighs> nah, I mean, I still get Mike, but uh, a lot of my teammates will start calling me that now. Well, you got four year, four more years of McLovin, yeah. so I hope you hope you realize that. Um, with that, um, last thing I want to mention. Uh, so you're at the end of the season, we're gonna do an A10 Talkie Awards. It's kind of like the Dundies from The Office, and mm-hmm. we're doing uh, best A10 nickname. So you have been nominated right. for <laughs> McLovin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I would let. So. I hope that would get me in. How do you how do you feel? There's there's a ton of good nicknames around the, this league. So do you think you got a shot against? Uh... What, what other what other ones are out there that you can give me some? Okay, so there's Bones Highland already. I mean, they already announced his name as Bones. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. Ace Ace Baldwin, um, Fats Russell. Like, yeah. there's a whole there's a yeah. whole plethora of them. So like, okay. once I found out you were McLovin, I'm like, oh man, we got another nominee <laughs> in here. Yeah, that's great. I love the office too, so I'm I'm hyped about that. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Uh so yeah, anyway, um that's it. That's all I got for you. Um thanks for doing this with me. Uh good luck the rest of your season and keep killing it, except for against Dayton if you see him in the A ten tournament. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. All right, no problem, man. I'll see you later. All right, I'll see you.